good afternoon, good evening, whenever and wherever you may be listening, and thank you for joining the Locked On Avalanche podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Chris Maselli, with another episode of the podcast dedicated to your Colorado Avalanche. And like always, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar at BuiltBar.com. Make sure to enter the promo code LOCKEDON. Get $10 off your first order. So what we're going to get to today, hopefully for the next like 20 plus minutes, we can kind of like just take your mind off of everything that's going on in the outside world and just kind of think about some hockey and some Colorado Avalanche and uh, have a little bit of fun and just for a brief moment of time, just kind of not forget what's going on out there, but just take a break from it uh, because it's kind of consuming everybody. So uh, having said that, we will be discussing, I wrote a piece for milehighsticking.com about the top five teams that I would like to see the Avalanche play whenever they play their first, their first round in these uh, coronavirus playoffs. And we're also going to be talking about NHL and their their testing plan for COVID-19, which gives me kind of the 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 willies. <laughs> and we'll get into that. Uh, but first things first, follow the show on Twitter, L-O-P-N underscore Avalanche. Follow on Instagram, search for Lockdown Avalanche. And send comments, questions, concerns, opinions to LockdownAvalanche at gmail.com if you heard the Fan Friday segment last last week, last Friday, with, <clears throat> I keep wanting to say Nikki Field, it's not anymore, it's Nikki Erickson, uh, definitely go back and check that out, but if you want to do that, hit me up either on Twitter or on, I'm on Twitter most of the time, uh, hit me up there or send an email, lockdownavalanche at gmail.com. All right, so the NHL came out and said they plan to test players for the coronavirus daily. If you <clears throat> if you follow me, uh, you know that I do a show uh, outside of this one, a podcast with my lifelong friend, Mark Turcott, called The Enthusiast Life. That's kind of like where we kind of geek out in our geek culture and, you know, talk about Star Wars and Marvel and comic books and television shows and things like that. <clears throat> well, Mark is a uh, pharmacist. So he he was supposed to start doing and uh, administering these tests, I believe, yesterday. And because of all of this writing and stuff like that, he it got pushed back. <clears throat> but he purposely, there was an episode that we did a couple weeks ago. He purposely waited to describe and I and I know I have a general sense of how these tests uh you know are administered but he decided to wait till we recorded to really give me the details of it knowing I have a weak stomach for stuff like that uh I don't like hotels <laughs> or hotels hospitals <laughs> I don't like hospitals um I just as soon as I walk into to to a hospital the smell of it is just like just I start to get lightheaded. So he thought it was a genius idea to do that. And and I I, I held it together, but uh I did start to feel a little bit of butterflies in the stomach just by him describing how to how, what goes on. Like I said, I had known I what this is, going through the nose and all that. And it's this long 
Q-tip thing that pretty much just goes pretty much down to your throat through your nose. And I don't know. This just I know a lot of people that have taken the coronavirus test. Every single one of them says it's very uncomfortable. Now, it's necessary. I get it. It's, and, and if I needed to be tested for it, I would I would muster the will and get it done. But I, you know, and, and I would, you know, make it through and I would survive and everything. But just the thought of it kind of just makes my my skin crawl. Um, so to have to do this every single day, uh, I, I'm kind of happy I'm not a hockey player right now. Uh, and maybe it's just one of those things you'll get used to after a little while. How they're going to do it is they have the ability to pretty much test overnight. So at night you will be tested. By the time you wake up in the morning, you'll have the results. And I guess it's smart. It is something that, I mean, you are going to have hockey games every single day once the playoffs kick back into gear. You got to know if someone's positive. And to do it this way, that I mean, I give I give the NHL credit. Uh, you know, my the, the willies and the creepiness on my end doesn't mean a damn thing. And I'm kind of just having fun with that. But <clears throat> it makes all the sense in the world. Um, they plan on having... 25 to 35,000 tests available. Each test is $125. So clearly that is going to cost the NHL millions of dollars, but again, necessary. Uh, Where's some te- uh, quotes here? We will have a rigorous daily testing protocol where players are tested every evening and those results are obtained before they would leave their hotel rooms the next morning. So we'll know if we have a positive test and whether the player has to self-quarantine himself as a result of that positive test. It's expensive, but we think it's really a foundational element of what we're trying to accomplish. So I know the NHL is, is trying to, I mean, they're not quarantining these guys because they're going to be playing games, but they really should only be around their team and the other team and the teams that are involved in the playoffs. I don't think family, I think very select family members are going to be invited, not to the games, obviously, but to stay with them. Um, and I'm not hundred percent sure on that. I, that I think I've heard that, that they are, are allowing certain, maybe like, you know, wives and, and, you know, newborn babies and stuff like that to travel with them to wherever they're staying. And again, there might be a possibility that they don't do that. So the people that you are around, if you're getting tested daily and someone comes up positive, there's going to be a lot of questions on why did you test positive? Did they venture out and go somewhere? Like if this thing happens in Vegas, and I know, I don't know what's going on with the casinos out there. I'm pretty much sure they're not open right now. Maybe they will be by then in some short capacity. Where were you that you got nabbed positive and we're not we're not there yet it's not you know uh, something that is it something that could happen of course it's something that could happen uh but it will be interesting to to see if there is a positive screen uh, it, it's this is going to be like player players might just be really timid again on stepping back on the ice if you're going up against that team if a player on Chicago tested positive and Edmonton's playing them. If you're Edmonton, even if you're Chicago, would you, cause you don't know where that person got it from. And maybe the test came, it was a false positive for the other players. It's just, it's going to be a world of concern 
once if, if that were to happen. But again, this is just completely new times for everybody going through this. So we're not we're not there yet. I'm just and I'm forward thinking maybe a little bit too much, but it's something that you you really need to think about. Um, we do know that people that have increased contact with each other are going to have more opportunities to spread the virus. And hockey is one of the sports where individuals do have a lot of contact with each other. I would say that they're going to have to be more aggressive than other leagues in terms of testing. Absolutely. And, and what else can you do other than daily? You know, you can't do it, uh, you know, twice a day. (laughs) I can't imagine they would do that. So if they're doing it daily, that's pretty much all they can do. And you deal with it. If you get a positive, if you can make it all the way through without, you know, and you're in the clear, great. So it's a lot of the the pressures on the players to do what they're supposed to do uh, and staying with their team, staying in a hotel room, not really venturing out. But again, some of it is out of their control too. And because this thing is so contagious, they could just go down to the corner store to get uh, something to drink and they got it. So It'll be touch and go, but I, I, you know, for the most part, obviously everybody wants hockey back, including the players, and they want all the procedures and protocols in place to keep them safe. And daily testing is going to have to be it. But I'm just glad it's not me doing a daily test. I don't, I don't know if I could make it through that. One thing I can do daily is eat built bars because they are absolutely delicious, and I've been building up built bar for the past month. And make sure you guys are going over there, builtbar.com. And like I said in the beginning of the show, go to checkout and enter the code locked on. You get $10 off your first order. Your first order could be four brand new limited time flavors that they just came out with peanut butter banana, pineapple upside down cake, blueberry lemon, and coconut pecan pie. And if you're thinking, oh, I can't have the pecan pie because I have a nut allergy, it's flavoring and it is not made in a facility that has nuts. So you are in the clear if you have a nut allergy. These bars are delicious, no grittiness. They taste like an actual candy bar. Most of them have 110 calories, 15 grams of proteins, and four grams of sugar. Put that up against any other protein and energy bar, and Built Bar wins hands down across all categories, including the most important one, taste. So go to BuiltBar.com and like I said, locked on in the promo code and you guys will get $10 off your first order. So like I said, on Mile High Sticking, put up a article about the five teams I would like the Avalanche to play in their first round. We're going to get to that right now. So because the playoffs are set up the way they are, uh, this is very much like it's being compared a lot to the NCAA tournament kind of like a bracket style. And a few years ago, I don't know the exact, I mean, it's been a little while now where the the NCAA has done these play-in games uh, for certain seeds. And, you know, there's some teams that don't know who they're playing in the first round. I know some there's like some number one seeds in the NCAA tournament that are waiting for, uh, you know, two 16 seeds to, to duel it out for them to play. But they don't know who they're playing. Um, and that can be kind of a, a little bit of a disadvantage to a team, maybe not a number one seed in the NCAA tournament, but there are, I think there's like five seeds that don't know. And so that, that could, and those games are usually good. The Avalanche 
we'll have more of a, a better idea of who they will be playing because that series will be going five games. But still, uh, they don't. The, it, it's the great unknown right now. Of number one, what seed the Avalanche are going to be, because they have to do their round robin tournament, um, and who they will be playing. If if they were locked right now, if if they weren't going to do anything with those top four seeds, we would know that the Avalanche are going to be playing the winner of the Vancouver and Minnesota series. But it's not. They they're going to duel it out for seeding. And then, then they'll know who they play. So it's just prolonging it a little bit longer. But that doesn't mean we can't kind of take a look at the teams that are also in the playoffs and talk about who we'd like to see the Avalanche play. And I, if you want to go to milehighsticking.com, my article is up there. Um, and I put up the top five teams. And the f- I, I, I did 5 4 3 2 1. And it is in order, uh, but you know, and and I, I would be fine with seeing any one of these matchups for the reasons I give in the article, which I'll kind of talk about now. Uh, so the first thing that I put up at number five is Vancouver, and I think the big reason, the biggest reason people want to see Vancouver, Colorado, is the Kale McCarr Quinn Hughes never-ending season-long argument on who is deserving of the Calder Trophy. If you're an Avalanche fan, it's Cam McCarr. If you're a Canuck fan, it's Quinn Hughes. And there's really, you know, that's where the line in the sand is drawn. I, you know, and and this will not make a difference in that because voting is done by regular season, but it would give bragging rights to that team and, you know, that player if you were to win that series. So I think for that, people want to see that. I think fans of those two franchises want to see that matchup and those two guys. I think outside of those two franchises, I don't think people really care all that much about uh, the the and and Quinn Hughes and Cal McCarr are uh, they're both you know not nice guys, and I don't think they're going to be going at it because they both want the Calder Trophy. I think Quinn Hughes has been a little bit more vocal about it than Cal McCarr has. But I think from the fan perspective, I think maybe more than the franchise getting bragging rights is the fans getting bragging rights um, over, you know, I ha- our team won, our rookie's better type of thing. Which, whatever, they're both great players and we should be happy about that. But it's kind of fun to see fans duke it out over, you know, 19 and 20 year old kids. It's funny. Uh, the fourth team I have in there is Calgary Flames. I think that would be a really good matchup because now the roles are reversed and the Avalanche are the higher seed where Calgary is the lower seed. And we all know what the Avalanche did to Calgary last year. And not only that, Calgary's had to deal with, with, with them being the number one seed and being outed by the eighth seed. And they've had to deal with them being known as the team of like, where where. Kale McCarr came onto the scene. And I think they're sick and tired of hearing about that and that goal that he scored, which was phenomenal, by the way. Uh, so I think they want revenge, and I think that would be a really good uh, series. Avalanche would obviously be favored in that. And any time, you know, Matthew Kachuk knows how to get under the skin of fans, um, and he knows how to get 
under the skin of some players. And the duels he's had with him and Gabe Landeskog just jawing at each other. I could watch that for a seven-game series. So I think that would be another really, really good matchup. And Colorado was very good against Calgary this year, 2-0-1. The first game of the season was against the Flames, and they beat them 5-3. to So they kind of have their number, again, going back to last year. Uh, but I think Calgary would come out guns blazing, wanting to take down Colorado in the fashion that Colorado took them down last year. Three, I have the Nashville Predators. And for this, the, the kind of way, the way I worded it in the article is it, it's almost like however you want to say it, like a rite of passage or passing the torch if the Avalanche were to be able to beat Nashville. Nashville's just been so good for so long, and they were up and down this year. There were times where you're like, they're never going to make the playoffs, and then they'd get hot and be in the playoffs, and they'd drop out, and they'd be back in. And they were one of the hotter teams when the season was suspended, and and so much so that you know they, they have – they're not – they didn't benefit from the 24 teams. They would have been in if they had done the normal eight teams per uh, conference. So they were on an upswing. It doesn't really matter right now because, you know, there's going to be such a layoff. Pretty much everybody's in the same boat. But uh, to beat Nashville, even if you want to say it's a down year for them, just to beat them would be would be something you can hang your hat on if you're the Colorado Avalanche. They they beat the Avalanche a couple of years ago now in a very hard-fought series. Uh, it didn't go seven games, but it very well could have. That was a, uh, the the Avs really put up their best with what they had in that playoff round, and it wasn't good enough because Nashville was the better team. But I think Colorado looked back on that and says, "Like we can hang with them. Like we just need a couple more pieces, and they've got those pieces in spades." And are clearly now the better team. Um, and still, still beating Nashville in the playoffs would just be like you've arrived. If that makes sense. Uh, even though they're having a down season. It's just, uh, like I said, it'd be, it'd be a rite of passage for the Avalanche in this roster and this team and this franchise to get past Nashville in the playoffs. And then you have the added bonus of Matt Duchesne being on that team and sending him home. All right, so two more to go. And number two, I would put the Minnesota Wild in there. And the Wild definitely benefit from this 2014 playoff proposal. They would not have been in, but they are. And, you know, we're got to treat them like a playoff team. So... They were they were kind of like Nashville. They they were, I wouldn't say up and down. I mean, yeah, they were up and down all year, but they were mostly down most of the year, and then they just got a little bit hot towards the end. I think they were six points or so out from a, a playoff spot, which would have been a tall task with how many games were left in the season. But uh, we have what we have, and they're in. Um, yeah, it's the Minnesota Wild. And we don't like them. We aren't friends with them. And what I say in the article that I wrote, I'm not over that playoff game seven overtime loss to them. 
and I don't the I don't say I, I don't think I will ever get over it. I will get over it if the Avalanche can return the favor. I want one of two things. I, if if it's gonna go, the first thing would be sweep them, sweep them, shut them up, send them home. And if it's gonna be anything other than a sweep, then then I know I'm pushing the limits with this but give them a taste of the old medicine with a game seven overtime win against them. I, I, I would be, you know, uh, I, I, I would just be everywhere in my house. If this were to go to a game seven in overtime again, uh, of course I don't really want to see that, but if it were to happen to kind of give them a taste of the old medicine, um, and do what they did to us would just be the ultimate. So, uh, yeah, Minnesota's pretty much replaced the Detroit Red Wings as our hated rival. So they're in the playoffs, and now we should make them pay for being in the playoffs. So we'll see if that if that happens. So, yeah, send Minnesota home, preferably in a sweep. And number one, n- number one is interesting because I wouldn't have put these guys on in there, and this is the Edmonton Oilers, I wouldn't have put Edmonton really anywhere in this list. But if you go back and listen to the Fan Friday I did just last week with Nikki, she when I asked her the question, who do you want to see? And she said Edmonton. It kind of like took me back really quick. I wasn't really expecting her to say that. And the more I thought about it, it's like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And the reason I wasn't thinking Edmonton is because, like, we have no history with them. They're not in our division. They're not a rival. But put that aside, and they're a really good team. Now, they don't have a lot of experience in the playoffs. But, again, that you, you have Connor McDavid on your team. So I don't want to hear the inexperienced playoff uh, from from them whatsoever, especially when you have Dreisaitl and McDavid. You got a good team. Uh, so from a, a perspective of you're going up against the best possible team you can go up against, you know, you can't go up against Vegas, Dallas, or St. Louis in the first round. You can't, you, it's not possible. So of the best teams that you can go up against, why not go up against the best team and show them what you got. And right off the bat, you're tested. So I think that that's a uh, a good matchup, and that would be a dogfight. These are two highly skilled offenses. I think uh, Colorado definitely has a, a a better defense than Edmonton. While Colorado doesn't have the best defense, they definitely have a better defense um, than Edmonton. But this would be just a, a matchup for NHL heaven. If if the NHL I mean, if they're going to be the only sport, basketball might be behind them closely when they pick up their season. I haven't heard anything yet coming out of the NBA. But NHL might be the only game available when they come back and play. And the NHL wants to promote something to promote an Edmonton Avalanche series when you have Connor McDavid and Nathan McKinnon, two of the top three players in the league, going at it that's what you can hang your hat on and promote the hell out of that. Uh, So from that standpoint, the NHL would love it. From an avalanche standpoint, you're going up against a solid team and you're going to be tested right away. You know, yeah, both of you have four months off, but Edmonton's going to be coming off a five-game series 
anywhere from three to five games, obviously. You are too. So, I mean, both of you, you're, you're going to be have some games under your belt, but you're going to find your footing during that first series. So if this were to happen, I would expect this thing to go six or seven games because right around game two, now you're at, you know, for the Avalanche, you'd be around five games. For Edmonton, if you went five games in the first round, now you're at seven games. Now you're getting back into the flow. And that's when this series would get really, really exciting. Uh, Colorado, they were only one and one against them. Really, really bad loss. McDavid and Drysaddle were doing whatever they wanted in the one loss that they had to them when they lost six to two. McDavid had five points. Drysaddle had six points. And then they flipped the script when they played them. Uh, I think it was a few weeks later, and they won. I think they won four to two. And McDavid, like that was. That was that string of games where Zadorov played exceptionally well. That's the guy that they're going to need to do that, which is a, a tall order. I mean, up and down the board, it's going to be a tall order for so many different players in the Avalanche. But they're also the opposite is also true for Edmonton. It's a tall order for them to keep all of the talent that the Avalanche have in check, too. So from a skill standpoint uh, and from uh, a, a defining a series defining uh, victory. If you were to take it moving forward, you are feeling really good about yourself because you just took out the best team of the teams that you're up against. And from an NHL standpoint, promotion, heaven McDavid against McKinnon. How could you not want that? So yeah, I think uh, Edmonton would be the, the team to go after right now, but, and in the end, Really, who cares? We just want to watch the Colorado Avalanche play hockey. We want to watch everybody play hockey. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see how it all works out. But I'll throw it out to you guys. What's your take? Is there a team that I didn't list that would you want to see Chicago play Chicago? Just because? Let me know. Send me an email, LockdownAvalanche at gmail.com or get a hold of me on Twitter, L-O-P-N underscore Avalanche. That'll be it for today. Definitely check out Locked On NHL. All the news you can get from across the league, league-wide. And we will be back here again on Wednesday. I'm still working on uh, doing a crossover shows with the, the three other round-robin teams. So we might have one for you on Wednesday. I don't know yet, but I'm trying. We have time, though. We have like the whole month of June to get through this. So uh, that's going to be it for today. Ladies and gentlemen, enjoy the day. Please stay safe out there in many different aspects. And uh, we'll see you guys on Wednesday. Here's Jovi. Go, Abs, go!